cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome to Live On Purpose Radio, everybody. Glad to have you back. I'm Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, and I'm excited to bring you again another exciting episode of Live On Purpose Radio that is intended to help you do just that. Take control of your life, start living on purpose. And I'm excited to have two guests with me today. We have a returning guest, Michael Ray Hopkin. Hello, Michael. Hello, Dr. Paul. This is what, your third or fourth time on the show, I think? This is my third opportunity. Well, and I'm always thrilled to have you here. And you bring an interesting addition to the show, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) We have to have a mic on the (laughs) podcast, right? Um, You've brought some some great guests to my attention uh, through the things that you do as a product manager and as an entrepreneurial thinker. And I've just really appreciated your contribution. And our next guest is an example of that kind of a contribution. I want to introduce Phil Myers. Now, Phil is the president of Pragmatic Marketing. And this is a large company that works a lot with with other companies to help them get tuned in. Can I introduce that (laughs) phrase already? To get (laughs) get them tuned in to to their marketplace, really, and to the people that they serve and the people for whom they create value. He is a, uh, a writer, a speaker, a consultant. He's very highly sought after in his field, and we're just thrilled to have him with us today. He is also the co-author of a hot, hot new business book called Tuned In, and uh, he co-authored that book with Craig Stull and with David Meerman Scott. And you may remember David Meerman Scott from an earlier episode of Live on Purpose Radio. He joined us here for uh, a discussion of the new rules of marketing and PR. So, Phil, we are thrilled to have you with us here today. Thank you for joining us at Live on Purpose Radio. Uh, thrilled to be here, Dr. Paul and Michael. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to give uh, give Michael just a few minutes to do maybe a little bit of further introduction. And what is it about uh, Phil Myers that kind of caught your attention, Michael, that you thought, hey, he really ought to be a guest on Live on Purpose Radio? You bet. Um, I think for me it started back in, uh, well, several years ago, I took the training. You mentioned pragmatic marketing. And Mm -hmm. pragmatic marketing, really, they are the thought leaders in in the product management, product marketing field. And, um, and about a little less than a year ago, I, I saw, started to see some blog postings about, uh, about the book tuned in that was coming out. And, and then what really kind of sealed the deal with Phil Myers for me was when I watched him do a webinar, um, Phil, I, I'm sure you'll remember this well, it was your webinar about the top 10 tuned in, um, is it initiatives maybe for 2008 or something along yep. those lines? 
up strategies, yeah. Strategies. And, and um, after Phil did that webinar, I, uh, I sent him an email, and uh, we started up an email conversation. And then fast forward several months to uh, when I was on vacation, I actually met Phil for lunch. He was gracious enough to, to take me out mm-hmm. to lunch. And, and uh, then I saw him speak at a couple of conferences, and um, it's just been a great uh, relationship ever since. So, Phil, I'm, I'm very happy to be here with you today. Well, and that's a that's a good introduction to what we are going to invite you to talk about, Phil. This this new book, Tuned In, came from uh, just a vast store of knowledge that that you and your partners have garnered over the years as you've worked with companies, and as you've seen that there's a difference between the tuned out and tuned in. And I wonder if you would just introduce that topic for us a little bit. Where is this coming from? Yeah, you know, um, we've trained upwards of 50,000 people now uh, in 3,600 different companies. And and one of the the places that we started that really drove an emphasis for writing the book was, you know, I wish everybody could come through our training like Michael did, which Mm -hmm. is he embraced the concept and applied it uh, daily to the activities that he was working on within within the general role of product management. But you know, there was a, a, a wealth of people out there who just had, uh, you know, a, another level to get to beyond being trained because they lived in companies that were fundamentally tuned out. And, you know, as we began to start to look at, you know, how companies worked and, and why they really struggled to produce hit products and why they uh, spent a lot of money in marketing that didn't didn't seem to really connect. Uh, we we really wanted to get under the covers of what was what was going on. And I was as I was listening to your <laughs> the intro to your show here. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a phrase you use, aimless wandering. We, <laughs> right. we, we find we find a lot of aimless wandering going on uh, with within organizations, and it was primarily because they were conditioned to make things up on their own and guess at what you know, the, what would be a really hot opportunity for them to pursue. And, you know, guessing led them down some paths that uh, nine times out of ten led to failure. I mean, there's a stats are, are horrifying. Sixty-five percent of small businesses fail in the first year, 95 percent within four years. Nine out of ten new products that are introduced fail to meet their objectives, and most are off the market within 18 months. Uh, mm. And you've got a you know an entire world of buyers out there just screaming that they're so tired of the interactions that they have uh, with 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 vendors screaming at them to buy their products and uninterrupted advertising. And we just really wanted to get behind you know why are these things occurring and for the people who are doing it well, what are they doing differently? Mm-hmm. And that was the mm-hmm. genesis of the book. So this this aimless wandering or all of this guesswork. I've just, as I was reading through, especially the first part of the book, when you're talking about uh, the different, well, the tuned out concept, and started to think through some of the things that I've done in some of my business ventures, but not just in business. I see this as a concept that applies in so many areas of life. As you start to wander around aimlessly or just guess, you know, what's going to be the best thing. Yeah, and, it's, it's it's interesting you say that uh, we... <laughs> we started with the perception that we were writing a book for our core market, which is the technology market, and for executives. Mm-hmm. And that 
in that market. And as we interviewed more and more and more people, we realized that we were talking about a concept that really is core to any business and most things you do in life, I mean, mm-hmm. whether it's personal relationships, uh, you know, and how tuned in you are to the, to, to the needs of the people you're trying to build relationships with, or whether it's, you know, how you decide to pursue careers, all of these things really, uh, you know, are, mm-hmm. uh, we, we exhibit a lot of tuned out behaviors and, and people do seem to seem to lapse in and out of it. That's right. Well, you know, Michael, you and I were talking just before we started the show today about how business is just the formalization of a value exchange between people. Yes. And and there's all levels of value exchange between people. How can you exchange value with someone if you don't know what they value? And for me, this is what the whole tuned out concept means, that you're just, you're in the dark. You're, you're totally clueless as to what it is that someone else wants or needs or a problem that needs to be solved. And so you just start creating stuff at random, hoping that maybe something will hit the mark. And that's what a lot of these companies are doing, I think, that fail. Does that ring with you, Phil? Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I would say that, you know, in general, you know, I guess you could make the statement that everybody's tuned in. You're either, but you're either tuned in <laughs> to other people's problems or you're tuned into yourself. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and if you're tuned into yourself, you're doing things that you want to do that you think would be interesting that you're trying to make money on or you're trying to you have some ulterior motive for why you're doing what you're doing. And over time, people see through that stuff. They're inauthentic and you and, and you lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you it's usually when I talk about this concept, I say it's the opposite of what you know, most of us have been taught to do. Most of us have been taught to carve out something new and innovative and find a new area to mm-hmm. to go dominate. And in fact, the companies that were most successful and people that were most successful started in areas that were already well-trodden and they found problems that other people weren't solving and solved them better. And that's really what people want. That's what they're looking for. Somebody to solve this problem for me. And, uh, I thought of an example, too. Phil, you've got this in your book about this innovation, and you mentioned a refrigerator. <laughs> Would you like to share that story? Well, yeah. And there, there's you, you see products like this all the time, and uh, one of the things that uh, you know surfaces was uh, you know a company went out or a computer world actually went out and rated the top twenty one technology flops of all time, and the Internet refrigerator was on that list. It's, it's a classic <laughs> example of creating a product just because you could, not because you should. Mm-hmm, uh, yes. You know, the idea that people want to browse the Internet while they're opening and closing the, re- the refrigerator and that they want all of this technology built in to figure out when they're out of milk uh, mm-hmm. and pay, you know, pay $8,000 for it, is an idea that seems really, really good in the late 90s when everything's being Internet-enabled, and it's really, really dumb when you actually put it in front of you know, housewives and families because they don't have that problem, and nobody asked them if they had that problem. Right. So you've created a, a really, really expensive mistake, and you know, there, are, there are lots of them we talk about in the book, and uh, some of them from mm-hmm. companies that you wouldn't have suspected. I mean, Apple created the biggest of all time with the Newton. Yeah. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. And yet they've found ways to create some of the 
best tuned in uh, uh, things as well. well. Like the iPod, the for iPod, example. The iPhone, yeah. The absolutely. iPod and the iPhone are absolutely tuned in, and it, uh, this is kind of what you were getting at a little bit earlier. You can Sometimes you can, within the same company, within the same person, sometimes you can be tuned in and sometimes you can be tuned out, and the results mm-hmm. are pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, you have developed... Uh, collaboratively with some of your partners, some some processes that you can take people through. And there's also a model that helps people to understand what's required to become tuned in. We're coming up on a break here in just a, just a little bit, but uh, I want to address the idea of resonators, what those are. And maybe you can give a brief introduction to that at least before we hit the break. Yeah, a resonator is a perfect solution to a buyer's problem. It's the kind of product or service that so completely solves a problem that they have that you just feel compelled to buy it. Um, You buy it without being coerced. So it sells itself, basically. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about that and then also the process for creating these resonators when we come back. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read and uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. I like the variety of of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through Parental Power. Just send an email to drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site, where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. 
Okay, so I'm thinking about this word resonator, and I've used I've used a similar word before as I've talked to people about the frequency that they're on. And there's a, a concept in physics called sympathetic resonance, where something will resonate with another thing that's at the same frequency. And so it's got me thinking a little bit about this resonator uh, term. Concept. In fact, yeah. it's defined right in the beginning of the book. Resonator, the perfect solution to a specific problem. A product or service so powerful it sells itself. An offering that connects to what your market values most and an idea that people immediately understand has value to them. So it's ringing with them. It's really, well, resonating with them. <laughs> That's why you picked the word, right, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's the frequency, it's the right frequency to your, to your marketplace. It's, and, you know, the, the reverse, of course, is I'm broadcasting out into the, into the never-never land uh, with, mm-hmm. with, a, with something that I hope will connect Whereas when I resonate, it's, it, it's a direct connection. And what we really found is, is that people who focused on building real and deep connections to what the market and their buyers valued were the ones who were able to create these resonators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's a process that, that people go through to create these resonators. And I think in the book you've outlined six powerful steps for creating those resonators that really connect with people. Let's let's walk through those a little bit. I know, Michael, you're really excited about these. Oh, yeah. The, well, the thing that I love about this process or the, these steps is that it becomes a process. I had never, until I read uh, your book, Phil, I'd never thought about it as a process. But uh, as I've read through it several times and just looked at examples in my own life, it... it uh, well, it resonates with me. It works. <laughs> okay, so what's the first step, Phil? Well, the first step is finding unresolved problems. And we, we found that the people who are most successful at creating the kind of products and services that people really wanted to buy, like Apple did with the iPod um, as a good example, like, um, you know, like FedEx, like American Idols, these things that just really, really connect with the marketplace, that at their core, they were focused on identifying and solving a problem that that, that the market had. I mean, a good example mm-hmm. with uh, with the, where the iPod came from is is that you know in before the iPod there were was not only issues with use and complexity of MP3 devices, but it was a real pain to download anything. It was uh, a, a problem that. To use the device and to and to access my music library, so as a result, you know you were you were left with not having any ability to take your music mobile. And Apple completely solved that problem because they identified the problem, and they were able to build relationships with the music industry, build an iTunes repository of music, and a great little device uh, for for people to use where they could take their music mobily. So it's finding mm-hmm. these unresolved problems. That's Sometimes they're they're so obvious that we miss them. You know, I'm I'm seeing that a lot of times with some of the clients that I work with, but even with myself, I've had some some feedback from coaches or even from clients that say, "Oh, look at what you can do to solve this problem." And I'm thinking, 
I didn't even notice that problem. <laughs> so it really well, is. Really, they're really hard to find yourself. I mean, this is uh-huh. you know, one of the things that's, that's uh, really stunning when you look at this is almost any space we looked at, almost around every decade, somebody new popped up on the scene and built a big company in, in an existing marketplace. You know, and, and you scratch your head mm-hmm. and you say, well, why didn't the leader think of that? You know, I mean, why didn't Hertz think of the problem that Zipcar eventually solved and built a, you know, the fastest growing rental car business in the, in, in the space? Mm-hmm. And, and the reason is, is you get so mired in how you do things that you stop looking. You just stop, mm-hmm. you stop looking, you stop being, uh, being observant to, and asking questions. Uh, to, to, to what, uh, what, what problems people are having. You know, there's a psychological trap here too because as soon as your mind concludes that something is impossible or that there's a barrier of some kind and your mind makes that a real thing, then it stops trying to solve that problem. Yep. I'll tell you a classic, uh, classic story. Doug Ducey, who was, uh, he ended up running a company called Coldstone, but prior to that, he was the mm-hmm. brand manager for Procter and Gamble, the Folgers product line. Mm-hmm. And he tells a story of how he was out in the marketplace observing that there were these little coffee shops that popped up in the Northwest that people seemed to really like going to. Yet when mm-hmm. he came back and 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 uh, told the story to the executives at Procter and Gamble, he said I, they literally laughed me out of the boardroom. <laughs> they said, you know, people will never go out for coffee. Coffee served in restaurants, or you buy it and bring it home and serve it at home. They or it's they free at work. Yeah. Well, you know, Starbucks mm. proved otherwise. You know? <laughs> yeah. People will never pay four dollars for a cup of coffee. Mm. You know, and today that's true. <laughs> you know, a year ago they 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 still were though. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Things have changed a little bit. Well, and it's not really the cup of coffee they're paying for. They're paying for an experience that has that's been absolutely. created, and and that was the the underlying problem. People were looking for this experience. And Starbucks figured out how to deliver that. And yeah, and that's the fourth step of the process, which is creating a creating a breakthrough experience. I mean, one of the differences that we found in these companies that created the breakouts is is that they just didn't look at their thing as a product. Uh, they looked at how do I create a great experience for mm. my customers. Yeah, and I- that it didn't matter whether that was a rental car, a cup of coffee. Uh, you know, or uh, you know, a soft drink. They were they were looking at it from the the total customer experience, each and every touch point, from the first time people heard of you, through how they did business with you, through how you serviced them. Everything mattered. Well, I guess I catapulted you clear up to step four, <laughs> didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> what? That's cool. okay. Let's let's uh, backtrack a little bit, and we'll talk more about the experience because I have a few thoughts about that. Uh, what's number two? I'm going to test you, Michael. What's number two? Number two is is understanding the buyer personas. And uh, f- um, before we let Phil talk about, it, I will say this is one that that is very important and that I've heard a lot in the product management world because you know you have to know your the persona or what what are the what types of people are are buying or are interested in your product. But but I think just in general, businesses don't really think about that. Is that what you found, Phil? You know, not only do they not think about it, if they do think about it, they tend to think about it at the end of the cycle, After which that. is it goes something like this. I create a product. I, 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 I decide to launch it. I put together my marketing programs. And now I might think about, oh, what kind of buyers are there out there and what messages should I, 
that I talked to them about. And one of the things that we found that was a big differentiator between people who were tuned in and tuned out is they did this very early in the cycle. Before they even decided what kind of a product or service to develop, they were you know, looking at the buying environment and identifying not only problems that people had, but the specific types of problems that specific buyers had so that they could narrow their focus down and, and solve them completely. And that was a real, real key differentiator. So a persona is, you know, uh, you, you could think of this, it's easy right now in the political landscape to, <laughs> you know, immediately drop into, you know, classic persona definitions like soccer moms as, a, as, a, as an embodiment of a group of individuals. But really persona profiling is really understanding the needs that, these, that that buying group has as good or better than they do themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think one of the keys that you point out in your book and and you've pointed out many times in your training and your blogs and whatnot is you have to get out of the office. You, you can't come up with ideas sitting in behind in your the desk. boardroom or something, huh? <laughs> yeah, we have a, uh, a a little saying that we teach. It's Nahito. It's not not a Japanese saying, but it's it stands for nothing important happens in the office. In the office. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love it. It's it's getting out of the office and just uh, really just sitting with people and having very human conversations about their lives, about their world, about what things they like, what things they don't. And it, it, it's it's amazing the kinds of things that the, that, that surfaces. Mm, yes. And the shrink in me has to has to point out something here, and that is that, again, we are talking about a principle that is going to apply in so many areas of life. Think about relationships for a minute. And I have pe- had people sitting in my office, for example, who say, oh, I just want to be in a relationship. And I'm thinking, with whom? <laughs> you know, <laughs> unless you answer that important question, who do you want to be attractive to? Because if you want to be attractive to drug users, for example, you just, you know, start using drugs. <laughs> Who do you want to be attractive to? And that's, in, in my mind, that is the relationship equivalent of, of understanding a buyer persona. And, and not to go down a slippery slope, but, you know, once you've decided that, is your, your natural inclination becomes to want to change them, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> to right. understand them. <laughs> Yeah, people complain all the time about, you're not the person I married, <laughs> you know, but they've been trying for 20 years to change him. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. I guess that's a different show, though, isn't that's it? That's probably a different show. But the, the point is, is valid, though, that these principles, there's a reason why they work in business, you know, and in creating a resonator, becoming a tuned-in business. I think we could probably substitute any time... Anytime you listeners are hearing the word business, just throw in individual or organization or, you know, there's very, very different levels of application that we could apply here. Am I pushing that too far, you guys? No, I don't think you are. I mean, one of the things we we found, uh, you know, people who are independent people, you know, realtors, doctors, lawyers, uh, you know, entertainers, all, you know, people who are their product really is themselves and there's is in and the service that they mm-hmm. provide to others these principles apply and mm-hmm. the ones that differentiate themselves are the ones that are in that's right well let's uh let's go on to step 3 Phil it's your turn step 3 is to quantify the impact and 
this gets beyond the point of, all right, you know, there are lots of problems in the world that need to be solved, and there are people that will raise their hands that say, I have that problem. But what you really need to do is get beneath the surface to, to, to figure out if the problem's urgent enough, if it's pervasive enough, and if people are willing to pay money to solve that problem before you want to move to the next step. And the companies that are able to do that are, are really looking at it at a level of detail that, that tells them, yeah, this is, this is a potential resonator. Mm-hmm. We'll pick it up with that very topic as soon as we get back from this next break. Stick with us. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. Ouch! Ouch! Have you ever been poked by a needle? For some people, having a nurse poke through your skin with a needle is about all they can bear. But have you ever had to be poked twice? Three times? How about four times? Some people report having to be poked ten or more times before a medical professional is able to find one of their veins. This isn't always the professional's fault. Some veins are hard to find, especially in seniors and children. A technology company from Memphis, Tennessee had an idea that is making this common annoyance a thing of the past. They call it Vein Viewer. Vein Viewer is a simple technology that allows a healthcare or medical professional to place a transparent adhesive strip on your skin. Then, magically, you can see your veins in surprising detail using the infrared light. With the veins in clear view, one quick poke is now the standard. Thanks to Luminex for coming up with a painless idea. This is Shay Larson, IdeaOrbit.com, with the World of Ideas Report. I've got a great idea. Wouldn't you like to know? You probably can't bear it, so I guess I'll have to share it. Thank you for joining me for the Live on Purpose radio podcast. It is truly an honor to be a part of your prosperity team. Please visit my website, drpaul.org, to get connected with other tools for you and your family. There you will find links to my weekly e-zine, Empower, Harnessing the Power of the Mind, and to the free parental power teleconference that I host every week with my wife, Vicki. You can also check out upcoming events or pick up powerful information products. Feel free to contact me directly with questions, comments, or to book me for your company or private event. Email me through drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com. Okay, another comment about this thing about quantifying the impact. Phil, you said that that you evaluate a problem as, is it urgent? Is it pervasive? And are people willing to pay to solve the problem? And I think the more significant the problem is, as measured by those quantifiers, 
the more likely it is that you're really going to have an impact in this world, whether it's in your business or a relationship or whatever it is. Pick the most significant problems. I guess that's what it's coming down to. Yeah, and most most of us and most businesses, we have there are lots of things we can do with our time, uh, and you know there it's you're hard pressed sometimes to differentiate. This is a filter you can take it through. You can take it through, you know, a, a, from the other person's perspective or from the buyer's perspective. How big a deal is this problem to be solved? And mm-hmm. you know, we even take it a step further when we get into you know the the, the net impact of, you know, the, what I'm doing today versus the incremental impact of, of the change that you're recommending. And, and you need to make sure that it's, that it's significantly positive because those are the things that are going to get people to act. And it won't be hard for them to make the decision to part with their money in exchange for that solution. That's right. Especially <laughs> That's if you're at that key. kind of a magnitude. You know, one of my mentors and coaches, Dan Sullivan from The Strategic Coach, one of his favorite phrases is, other people's problems are our opportunities. And that's how an entrepreneur thinks. You know, someone who is really out there looking for those those unsolved problems and what I can do uniquely to solve that. Yep. And and what and whether or not solving it the way I'm uh, I'm proposing has, makes a makes a big enough difference for for people to act. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there are lots of stories that we 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 profiled in the book. I mean, an easy one for people to to grasp here is the difference that the BlackBerry created for the mobile professional between the way that they had to stay connected to corporate information when they were on the road without it to when they had it. I mean, it was really mm-hmm. the difference between a painful nighttime exercise of dollop, dollop modems in a hotel to something that was on my hip that I could click in and get real-time access. Big, big incremental impact. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, one of the things that uh, we've been talking about is, you know, one of the problems Microsoft has right now with Vista is it actually has a negative incremental impact. Upgrading mm-hmm. is more of a problem than the value that it creates. That's, yeah. those, are, those are big issues for, for people to sort through prior to building anything. Those, and those are excellent examples. You know, I just had an experience last week. I was doing some car shopping, and I had some specific problems I wanted to solve in doing this transaction. And I had a number of dealers who offered their solutions. Some of the solutions just only just microscopically improved my situation. And, you know, they're saying, but it's an improvement, right? <laughs> Well, it wasn't enough of an improvement to move me to action. It was the ones that were more significant that caught my attention. So I can really kind of resonate with that myself today. Yeah, like gas mileage probably is to us right now. <laughs> that's a big one now. That's, right. That's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a look at number four. Now, we we introduced this one already because I kind of jumped the gun on the experience economy. Really, anytime someone buys something or does a transaction out there in the marketplace, what they're buying is an experience. Even if it's just, you know, the satisfaction of having a product that works well. Uh, but it comes down to an experience. We use the, the example of Starbucks. Um, creating a breakthrough experience is this step number four. So, Phil, I want you to talk a little bit more about that and where that's coming from. 
Yeah, you know, it's a ultimately this is where you build your competitive advantage, and we like to, to tell people that you, this is where you want to harness all of your distinctive competence so that you can sustain, uh, you know, an advantage in the marketplace over time. FedEx is a great example of somebody who finely tuned their distinctive competence around reliable to create a great experience for people who wanted to move information or products, you know, across across the marketplace overnight. Um, you know, one of the one of the examples that we 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 found that we were just fascinated by was a, a gentleman in, in the Washington, D.C. area named Mark Batterson, who created the fastest-growing church in the D.C. area by focusing it on people who didn't even go to church. Uh, he actually targeted a Gen Y audience who were turned off by traditional churches and created an experience for them that solved all their problems by having his church services in theaters where they could be multimedia events near subway stations where they were easy to access for people who lived in cities. And he developed mm-hmm. you know, an incredible following and, and added blogs and spirit fuel uh, all to it so that each and every touch point was thought through from the, 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 the buyer's Perspective, or in this case, the parishioner's perspective, mm-hmm. uh, and the experience was breakthrough. It's uh, to, to, to the point where, you know, not many churches are growing these days, and this yeah. one, this one is. Well, and you bring out a great, uh, a great point with that example, Phil, and, and that is that it's not always about growing revenues and, and having a product that that sells more. It, I mean, the principles apply to individuals and how they, you know, whatever it may be that they're involved in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it goes back to the statements that we all make about, you know, do things that make a difference, and the little things can't really can't make a big difference. They do, yes. and that's all mm-hmm. part of the experience. And it's, it's all part of the impression you and relationship you want to create with your marketplace. And it's not so much what you do, but it's how you do it. Mm-hmm. As we've been having this discussion, I was thinking of an interview I did not too long ago with Mark Sanborn, who wrote The Fred Factor. In fact, he's got another one coming out next month. It's called The Encore Effect. And Mark really nails this particular issue uh, with the story of of his postman. His name was Fred. This is where The Fred Factor comes from, you know. And he, he was doing an ordinary job, but he was doing it in an extraordinary way. And he mm-hmm. brought his own unique talents and capabilities uh, to that job that could have been very mundane and in that way created an experience for his customers. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Yes. It's not so and much that's what, what makes it do. memorable, right? Exactly. Well, that's what makes it stand out. I think you said that first, Phil, that this is what sets you apart from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, I was also recalling watching the marathon. Uh, the women's marathon in the Olympics just last week. And there was this clear leader. She was out in front of the whole thing. And then there was what's called the chase pack. <laughs> you know, and this chase pack was, they're all tightly grouped together and they're just running, but she's way out ahead of them. And you don't even know who they were, do you? That's right. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know the amazing thing about her, she won the race and she's still running like 15 minutes after with the flag. <laughs> it's like, where does that come from? So I've got my son over here running the computer, and he slipped me a note. It says, Ray Kroc and Walt Disney, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. People who create an experience, and the growth happens when you provide that kind of a breakthrough, phenomenal experience for people. Yeah. So another couple of good examples. Thanks, Ryan. 
He's not got a mic on, but he's a... Yeah, no, I mean, Disney noticed all the little things with amusement parks and made, and that's as, as much a secret to their success as anything else. Mm, that's true. Well, let's go on to step five. What's step five, Michael? Articulate powerful ideas. Ooh, you're tracking well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is, this is where we start to move into the communication to marketplace and in some in, in, in many organizations particularly bigger ones this is a you know a, a handoff silo where a lot of times you see breakdowns uh, even if you've done the first four things well the last two things of communicating to the marketplace aren't done as well one of the examples that that, that we found in our research really in looking at it was Tivo um, yeah. actually look at that and say hey <laughs> they found a problem they they understood uh, who it who it impacted, what the impact was, and it was a breakthrough experience. But they actually forgot to tell the marketplace that. Forgot they to started tell to advertise silly things like skipping commercials and things that weren't really core. And 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 in the articulating powerful ideas, how do you establish a memorable concept that really tells people you solved the problem they had? That's all you have to do. Tell them you solved the problem they, that, that 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 they have. And you can connect to them. Mm. You know, this seems like such an obvious step, but we miss it a lot, don't we? Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to say why. I mean, sometimes it's you know marketing gone wild, trying to be super creative and uh, come up with just ways that will interrupt people and get their attention versus just simply communicating value. But when it's done well, it's spectacular. Um, you know, I mean, you know it when you hear it. Taste great, less feeling. You know, have it your way. Thousand songs, songs in, your in your pocket. pocket. When it absolutely, positively, absolutely has to get there overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the kinds of things that aren't just slogans. They're actually statements of value uh, that tell that tell the marketplace that we solved the problem they had. And the media through through which they can communicate it nowadays has changed dramatically as well. Um, I, you know, with with blogs and and you know podcasts and and the new media, um, it's one of the things we talked a lot with David Merman Scott on the on the the program we did with him. It's it's fundamentally changed how those ideas are communicated, and the companies that understand that and that are using those are are the ones that are winning today. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's really step six. That's establishing authentic connections with the marketplace, which is a shift for many organizations because we're so used to, you know, uh, direct market advertising, promotion, scream, you know, buy my product, buy my product, buy my product, whereas the opposite is what really works. Publish thought-leading content, uh, become, a, become a, a, you know, a provider of value generally in a community of interest, and the connections start to build to you. Uh, you know, you, you also want to be thinking about it in terms of, you know, I may not be the best mouthpiece to my marketplace. It may be others who are, are going to have more credibility and making sure that the connections are built through those. And that really is all the new rules of marketing. And yeah. uh, the people who are following those, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, you wonder why everybody doesn't do it. It, it, <laughs> it, it costs 50% less, and you get... You get far more visibility than you do by direct marketing methods. Well, 
<laughs> and, and I think David did a great job in his book illuminating those issues and those concepts. But we've got one more segment left, and we're going to bring a wrap-up to this whole thing right after we come back from this next break. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees, as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format, fully illustrated with very fun hidden messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great. These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. Some of you have been asking how you can get more involved with the show. And I also appreciate those of you who have offered to support the show. Now you can do both easily by purchasing a Top Spots listing. For a very small donation to the show, your link will be posted at liveonpurposeradio.com. Just go to the website and look for the Top Spots widget on the right side panel. Click at the bottom and follow the simple instructions. You will then be at the top of the list. Thanks for your support. So during the break, I'm thinking about David's book and the new rules of marketing and PR, and I'm and I'm remembering that uh, that there's a big difference between the old way of doing things and the new way of doing things. And Phil, you were bringing up on this this step number six: establish authentic connections. That people really aren't interested in having somebody get in their face and shout, "Here, buy my product." And I think I think what people do nowadays, and tell me if you think this is accurate, because you guys are the tech guys. I think when people want to get connected with a product or a service or or, or an answer to a problem that they have, there's there's two basic places they go for that, and one of them is to a trusted resource, a trusted person with whom they have a relationship, and they they trust their advice. And the second thing is an internet search engine. <laughs> Yes, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, David starts his seminars and keynotes with a simple question. How many of you in the last year have responded to a direct mail promotion? How many of you mm-hmm. have responded to an ad you saw in a magazine or on TV? Uh, how many of you have used Google to find mm. some information that you were looking for? And all the hands go up. <laughs> And all the hands go up, and none of them went up the, the, with, with the first couple. Um, you know, the, the, the new rules versus the old rules, when you optimize yourself for the old paradigm, you're spending an inordinate amount of money trying to connect to a needle in the haystack 
whereas the new rules are simply providing value to people when they search on the Internet and providing some sources of information that solve their problem. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. looking for, for information about life coaches. Boom. Here comes Dr. Paul to talk to me about you know what what uh, what services are, are of value to to measurably improve your life, and mm-hmm. I establish an authentic connection to you. Those are the kinds of things that uh, build relationships with your marketplace and build referrals and build trusted uh, advisors. And you know ultimately, what we find with tuned in companies and businesses is is that they grow their businesses based on referral. They get 80% or more of their business based on referral. And what a wonderful way to have it, because yeah. it doesn't well, cost you anything to market. <laughs> well, there's nothing better than someone who's coming in from a trusted source. and that's, Exactly. To me, that's the whole concept of this thought leadership, too. And, and as step number six uh, illustrates, establishing a, an authentic connection means that you form a relationship, a real relationship, not just a spam relationship mm-hmm. where you're trying exactly. to, to throw something at them or pitch something to them. And again, I, I apologize for going back to my car buying experience this last week, but some of the dealers that I was working with didn't didn't bother. I don't think they realized they were in the people business. <laughs> they thought they were in the auto business. You know what I mean? And, yeah, they were, they were in the get-rid-of-my-inventory business. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> yeah, meet, wasn't or even, meet my quota. wasn't even auto. It was probably that impersonal. Yeah. yeah. And and I felt it, and I left. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The guy that got the commissions is the one that formed a relationship with me and really tried to solve my problem. And I appreciated the heck out of him for that, yeah. you know? So uh, these six steps, maybe a quick recap of the six steps. I'll just see if I've got them here. Number one is find unresolved problems. Number two, understand the buyer personas. Number three, quantify the impact. Number four, create breakthrough experiences. Number five, articulate powerful ideas. And number six, establish authentic connections. And what we're saying here, Phil, is that if we follow these, it's a stepwise process in creating the resonators or in Mm -hmm. getting a product or a service to people that really makes a difference and that sells itself. And, and what we found is, is that the people who are creating the breakouts um, are, are, are following all six steps. Uh, and that it's, it's, you, you can't skip them. You can't mm-hmm. do just half of them. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's all six taken together that create a product or service that so completely solves a problem that you feel compelled to buy it. Mm-hmm. And that's a cultural thing, too, isn't it? You create a culture within your own mind and within your teams and within your company that's a tuned-in kind of a culture rather than the tuned-out. Yeah, it's, it, you know, the, the, the funny thing to us was when we went back and looked at our notes and David, Craig, and I had each done some independent interviewing as we went through the, through the processes, when you talk to the people who created these these breakouts, the Scott Cooks of the world who created in, Intuit and Quicken, you know, uh, the Steve Jobs who created the the iPod and iPhones, when you when you get underneath the covers uh, of, of of these folks, that you know, they, it, it's almost as if they they were you know in some ways surprised. 
surprised by the outcomes because they never focused on the outcomes. They were mm-hmm. they say things like, "Well, we were just we're trying to solve. We saw this problem, and we were trying to solve it better than anybody had solved it before, and we just cared, you know, passionately about it, you know." And and some of them said, "Yeah." And the next thing I knew, I woke up and I had you know ten thousand people working for me. I had this big business. <laughs> Whereas people who start the other way around of, gosh, there's a great market opportunity in cell phones. I think I'm going to try to crack into it because, you know, if I can build a next generation cell phone, uh, you know, I, I can get this percentage of the market um, <laughs> you know, and I'll build a billion dollar business. They tend to run their companies culturally based on what we find to be tuned out behaviors. They were either revenue driven or innovation driven or just focused on a you know a minute segment of the overall customer base that they were serving as opposed to the market at large. Mm. So and and that creates more problems than it solves usually. I think Michael you had a, well, a thought about that I could tell. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at the the ideas behind the the tuned out companies and you kind of mentioned them Phil which are innovation solves everything. Uh, revenue cures all, and uh, customers know best. And and um, you know I've seen uh, uh, just a, an example in my life is I uh, last year my sister and I ran a uh, the Provo half marathon and and my sister after the race just sent an email just trying to point out a few things that that they could change that that would make it a much better race and they not only did not uh, make the changes, but they took her off the list that they had, and they, they so they removed her from the website. <laughs> they So she couldn't even find her score on there anymore. And and so, you know, I've been just kind of... Those pesky customers. That's right. I, with their questions. I, I've been quietly spreading the word, you know, locally, just saying, well, that may not be the best half marathon for you to run. And I, you know, I'm not everybody knows me, but I think over time the word gets out. And unless they change... And are willing to to really tune into to their market and what they're trying to do, then they're always they're never going to win. Is, this is the thing that's just funny. I mean, here we are on a radio show that's going to connect how many people, and you're talking badly about them. And <laughs> you know, and, and and you know, wouldn't if you were running that business, just be appalled, uh, you know, by oh, yeah. uh-huh. by the simple things, the connection to all the negative publicity that you end up with. It's going to ultimately injure what you're trying to trying to accomplish uh, right. versus connecting connecting with your marketplace more authentically. It, it, it just seems silly at the end of the day, but you see it all the time. But it's all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you were joking a little bit, too, about those pesky customers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> who, th- the very people were trying to solve their problems, and here's someone who's saying, hey, here's my problem, you know, right. offering it to you for free. This is, Step one is a hard step. <laughs> You know, because you have to get out there and actually look for it and interview people. If people are going to offer it to you for free, my heavens, take it. <laughs> well, and, and I, I got to go back to this. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you got to believe that a lot of people told Hertz and Avis that it was inconvenient for people that lived in a city to go all the way out to the airport to rent a car and to have to rent it for a full day uh, when they only mm-hmm. needed it for a couple of hours. <laughs> And, mm-hmm. and and yet, you know, that, that's a pesky request. It's like, well, you know, most people fly and they come to the... Well, <laughs> you know, no. A lot of people live in cities. A lot of people live in college towns. They have these needs. And now there's a company called Zipcar that's got the fastest growing, most profitable niche in the rental car business uh, that that's developed to serve it. And, you know, the the 
the being tuned in, you just can't be tuned in once, you know, and do this right <laughs> to get your company launched. It's a constant process of staying connected to, you know, these little signals that are out there that trigger that, hey, there's a new market opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you pointed that out very nicely in one of your recent blog entries about um, a few of the companies that you listed as tuned-in companies in the book that have mm-hmm. since sort of tuned out to some degree. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I had a, a nasty weekend where I, I slammed Obama, Apple, and Starbucks all in one post. And it was like, I do this with some trepidation because I highlighted uh-huh. them as tuned in, but yeah. uh, here's three examples of them tuning out, and, and it, ha- it happens. People, people let tuned out, particularly in a down economy, um, you know, not necessarily on the political side, but, you know, in a down economy, you tend to, something happens to your business, and you tend to focus more revenue-based than, than being, being tuned into what buyers need. What a great thing to be aware of, though. To, it's not enough to just say, oh, well, you're tuned in, <laughs> you know, pat yourself on the back, and, oh, boy, you know, we've accomplished it. It's more of a dynamic process where you constantly have to be monitoring your level of tuned inness. It's like when you're driving mm-hmm. down the road with your radio, and it'll tune out if you get out of range. Uh, and maybe that's not you the know, best or a example. example. I, I like it. That probably resonates with all of us. Is you you don't you're not just tuned in as a parent wants. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's an everyday thing. <laughs> and, and right. you know, staying staying connected and uh, observing the signals and understanding <laughs> what's going on mm-hmm. is, is is something that you want to be doing every day, every hour. Yeah, well, it's a moving target. And my problems aren't the same today as they were yesterday, right? You know, or last year or the year before that. And that's true of our of our clientele or our prospective clientele or people we want to have a relationship with. It's a dynamic process. And uh, we are human beings. We're not human duns, <laughs> you know. So there's this constant process of change and development. Well, Phil, we're coming up on the end of our segment here, and I want to make sure that people have a way to get connected or tuned in with what it is that you're doing. We're going to put up some some links, of course, on the blog site uh, where the podcast is hosted. And for all of you listeners, uh, there will be a direct way for you to, to purchase the book and to, uh, to get to the websites that, uh, that are relevant here. Phil, is there anything you want to say about uh, how people can get connected or, or tuned into what it is you're doing? You know, I mean, this, I guess the only thing really to say is this is our life's pursuit here. We're, we're uh, passionately focused on how we can help individuals and organizations get tuned in. And, you know, as such, when you connect to our business, there's a variety of services that are geared directly to do that from education to professional services, online um, events and training. But the, the the whole philosophy is to help you master this process so that it does become second nature. And there's a whole variety of of available resources there then from the book, obviously through uh, some online resources and uh, corporate training experiences and materials that you can provide to companies. Uh, I think that's fantastic. We'll put up a link to your, to your website, which is the best uh, site you'd like people to visit. Uh, Start with www.pragmaticmarketing.com. Pragmaticmarketing.com. We will certainly point to that on our blog. 
Michael, thank you for joining us again. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. And Phil Myers, co-author of the book Tuned In. I highly recommend it. Thank you, Phil, for joining us today at Live On Purpose Radio. My pleasure. Enjoyed it, Dr. Paul and Michael. All right, everybody, go out there and live on purpose. Let's be more tuned in about that. <laughs>